Hey everyone, Josh Case here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy today's message. Shout, I'm ready. Stand for the reading of God's word. Are there any Jesus lovers in the house? Oh, I think I found a few. I said, are there any Jesus lovers in the house? And you're not ashamed of it. Today I want to talk about the most important subject and the most important person who ever lived. Not Confucius, not Muhammad, not Buddha, but Jesus. You go to Buddha's tomb, he's still there. Muhammad, he's still there. I don't care what they say. Come on. If you go to Confucius' tomb, he's still there. But if you go to the tomb of Jesus, it's empty. And I I don't want to just know about Jesus. I want to know him. Paul said, oh, that I may know him. And so today, how many of you want to know him? And and, and you're interested in knowing him more. So I'm coming from Colossians 1.15. I'm warning you, I feel like preaching. Hallelujah. If you you own social media, would you share this and invite people into this moment? Colossians 1.15. It says, he, talking about Jesus, Paul is dealing with a church in Colossus that had lost its way because they had lost sight of Jesus. How many of you know that it's all about Jesus? It's not about Jim Rayleigh. It's not about facilities. It's not about buildings. It's not about programs. Just wave at me if you still believe it's all about Jesus. It is. He is the image describing Jesus of the invisible God. Paul's setting this church in Colossus straight and said, let me tell you about Jesus. He's the firstborn over all creation. Jesus is this. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things, somebody say all things, were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. Oh, you missed a good place to shout right there. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things, he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. (laughs) and by him to reconcile almost everything. No, all things to who? Himself, by who? By him, good Lord. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, having been made peace through the blood 
of his cross. Well, if you love him, give him praise right now. I'm going to talk to you about who is Jesus. Who wants to know him more? Slip up your hands. Father, we just pray today that you will have your way. Lead us, teach us, feed us. Let us know more about Jesus. Thank you, healer, deliverer, provider, and baptizer, sanctifier, ancient of days, holy one, mighty one of Israel. Thank you, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, captain of the host, lily of the valley, bright and morning star, fairest of 10,000, the way, the truth, and the life. Isaiah's prince of peace, Isaac's ram, Job's redeemer, Abraham's seed, the seed of the woman, the conquering king, the coming king, the risen savior, the Lord of all the unstoppable Jesus. We give you praise and we love you because there ain't nobody like you. Hallelujah. If you love Jesus, come on, give Jesus a praise right now. Tell somebody on your row, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I want to unpack this thing and if you're ready, somebody say, I'm ready. I want to lay a little groundwork as it relates to discovering who Jesus is. What I love about these writers in the New Testament, the apostles, what I love so much about them is that they all knew Jesus. They're not going on secondhand information. They all knew him. We're 2,000 years away from the time of Christ and we're 2,000 years away from the time that he physically walked on the planet. But the Bible says in, in, in John 1, 1, 1 John 1, that that was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. John said, we're not telling you about a Jesus we've heard about. We're telling you about a Jesus that we've walked with. We're telling you about a Jesus that we saw him heal the sick and raise the dead. We saw him walk on water. We saw him set the captive free. He's not a story to us. He's real. These apostles knew him. And no one knew him in a way, I believe, that Paul knew him. Paul's encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus changed his very life. It revolutionized his life. Who would admit today that Jesus has changed your life? Oh, I better ask you again. I said, who would admit today that J-E-S-U-S has changed your life? It changed Paul's life so much that he went from a persecuting enemy of Jesus to his primary advocate. What I'm trying to tell you is this. These men knew Jesus. They knew him personally. And since they knew him personally, they were qualified to talk about him. I want to know Jesus so personally, y'all, that I'm qualified to talk about him. I want to know him in such a way that when I open my mouth, you can tell that he and I are connected. The apostle Paul is coming from a perspective of living in the same time frame as Jesus, but, and, and not only knowing him, but, but being connected to him. And in Colossians, Paul writes a church that's in trouble. He writes a church that in all actuality, he did not found. He wasn't the originator. He didn't start this church. But a man named Epaphras that was the founder. He had been saved and discipled in Ephesus. And Ephesus was about 100 miles away from Colossus. 
And this man who had been saved and delivered and discipled left the church in Ephesus and came to Colossus and started a church. That gives me a lot of hope. That gives me a lot of joy because I know that that's what Calvary is doing. We're starting campuses. It blessed my heart when I saw young Caleb up here receiving his diploma and to hear that he hopes one day to pastor a Calvary campus. I sat there, come on, Jesus. I sat there and just thought, hallelujah. But here's why I know that he's got a real good chance of doing it because I watched him graduate. I watched him receive his diploma and I turned around and a cameraman's walking by me and filming the service and it's none other than Caleb. He took off his gown, he took off his his hat, he took off all of his graduation robe and started serving. I'm telling you, that tells me there's a guy right there who's going to do something big for Jesus. Come on. It gives me hope when I know that a man was saved and discipled and, and, and informed and, and, and had truth and legacy placed in him at Ephesus. And then he started a church in Coloss. But the problem is, Coloss was now losing its way. The church had fallen into error. And I'm telling you in a very real way, a lot of the church in America has fallen into an era and we need a, a, a reset. Come on, somebody. The church in America needs a fresh touch from the power of God. But the church had fallen into error, and they were involved now in mysticism and legalistic rituals. There were Judaizers that had come in, and they were now telling the people that you're going to have to follow all these rituals in order to know and embrace salvation. You're going to have to honor the feast days. You're going to have to have sacrifices. You're going to have to not eat this, and you're going to have to do this and not do that. And it was in that moment that Paul sits. He's in prisoned in Rome when he writes this letter and he begins to address the issues and by the end of the chapter four that by the end of the book of Colossians he says these words he said Christ is all that matters he said religion can't save you he said good works can't save you your own ability and skills can't save you what you know can't save you but there is a Jesus that can reach right down in your pit and he'll save you all by himself. How many of you are glad that it's not church membership that saves you? It's not what you know, it's who you know. Hallelujah. Paul then addresses this Colossian church and he wants to set the record straight as it, in regards to Jesus. First thing that Paul said in the text that I read It says that Jesus, he said, is the image of the invisible God. Now, this is powerful to me because way back in the garden, we all remember that we were created in the beginning in God's image. But because of sin, that image was marred. And when Jesus came to earth, the unseen, invisible God became seen and became visible. And Jesus, who was without sin, he was unmarred, y'all. He was perfectly sent to reveal God. Now I want you to understand something. Don't miss this. The Bible says that man was made in the image of God 
And, and in the image of God is, is the way that men arrived. But Jesus wasn't made in the image of God. It didn't say that Jesus made in the image of God. It says that Jesus was the image of God. The image of the invisible God. Yes, Jesus arrived, y'all. He was God with skin on. He was God with fingernails. He was God with eyes, teeth, and a heart that beats. He was everything that made him human. But Jesus was so much more than that. He was and is God. I want to tell you that Jesus, when he arrived on the earth, he was the Savior, the Redeemer, and the Waymaker. The Son is the image of the invisible God. We are made in the image of God. And the Bible said that when we were made, that, that God gave man dominion. Somebody say dominion. We had dominion over the earth, over the animals. We had dominion over all the natural things in the world. But when Jesus shows up, Jesus has a different kind of dominion. He doesn't just have dominion over the animals. He doesn't have dominion just over the trees. He doesn't have dominion just over the land. But when Jesus shows up, he's got dominion over demons. He's got dominion over devils. He's got dominion over death. He's got dominion over weather. He's got dominion over the winds. He's got dominion over the waves. He's got dominion over cancer. He's got dominion over divorce. He's got dominion over depression. Hallelujah, Jesus was the invisible image of the express God. I need somebody right now who's in a fight that you can't win. Give Jesus a praise. Uh. He has dominion. I said he has dominion. And, and where is he at? Christ in you. The hope of glory. By the Holy Ghost you have access to him. So now since Christ has dominion, the Christ in you don't get in you and stop having dominion. But I need somebody who understands that this is kingdom and I've got dominion. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What does a king do? He has dominion. I need the kings and priests to give God a praise right now that you have dominion. I'm trying to behave myself, but I feel like teaching the word today. He has dominion. And because he has dominion, then he gets in me. And I have dominion through him. But, but the reality is, Jesus has dominion, as I said, over demons, devils, sickness, problems, disease, the weather, the winds, the waves, and even death. But none of this needed to be revealed until the fall of man. There was no disease. There was no death. There were no storms. There was no cancer. But when man fell, sin revealed all this. And Jesus comes on the scene as Emmanuel. Y'all, I, I I'm gonna get off my notes. Can I just talk to you for a minute? When man fell in the garden, the one that showed up 
was named Jehovah. There are several names for Jesus. Emmanuel, Adonai, El Shaddai. Come on, somebody. But after man fell, Jehovah showed up walking through the garden. You know what Jehovah means? The God who exists. It was like God showed up as Jehovah. That's, how, that's what the word God is translated in Genesis when he walks into the garden and he basically said, you messed up, but I'm still real. You messed up, but I still exist. And see, when I think of it, I say, well, God, why didn't you just start all over again? Why didn't you just do away with Adam and Eve? Nobody would have known but you. Come on, somebody. It ain't like nobody could tell on you. You could have kept it under wraps. But after man fell, you show up as Jehovah. God help me. The God who exists. When I was praying, the Lord began to speak to me. He said, I did it that way because there's certain parts of my personality and my person that can't be revealed until failure happens. Y'all don't make me come down there. There's a dimension of me that you can't know till you mess up. He said, there's a part of me you wouldn't know I'm wonderful until you found out how bad it could really be. You wouldn't know I was a way maker till you lost your way. You wouldn't know I was a healer till you got sick. You wouldn't know what I could do. So I let a bad thing happen just to show you how good I am. Uh, I need somebody right now who believes he's the express image of the invisible God. So here's what the enemy wants to make you think. That your trouble is going to hide him. But your trouble is actually going to reveal him. So I dare somebody right. Yeah, I'm okay. My, my, my watch just asked me, did I fall? Come on. I need somebody right now who is thankful that your failures were not wasted. That God used every failure to show you what he is and who he is. Stop and give him a praise right now. Y'all, I'm trying to teach it. I'm trying not to be radical. But I need you to tell somebody on your row, I need about 20 seconds. Because I got to give God praise. I found out when my heart was broken, he was a heart mender. I found out when I was addicted, he was a deliverer. I found it all out. Jehovah, the God who exists. I'm thinking about teaching that next week. I'm getting all over my next week message. The God who exists. So when you call him Jehovah Jireh, Jireh means provide. The God who exists to provide. When you call him Jehovah Rapha, you're saying the God who exists to heal. All these things are not hard for the Lord to do. The Bible said in Hebrews 1.3 that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, 
sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he is now set at the right hand of the Father of the majesty in heaven and he's making intercession for you and I. So number one, hear me now. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. But number two, Paul said he is the firstborn over all creation. Now, now let me be clear, precious, about exactly what that means. Firstborn doesn't mean that Christ was created. The Bible over and over again affirms that Jesus is eternal. He has no beginning and he will have no ending. He's always been and he always will be. That's why when he introduced himself to John the Revelator, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the equivalent of an English A and an English letter Z. He said, I'm the A and I'm the Z. The Alpha represents the past. The Omega represents the future. So Jesus meets John and said, I'm the A and I'm the Z and I'm the L-M-N-O-P. Come on, somebody. He said, I was not created. I've always been and I always will be. You gotta understand the day that Jesus has no beginning and he has no end. You say, well, what does that mean, apostle? What does firstborn mean? Firstborn means this. In the culture of the Bible, it means the one who has the authority of the Father. In other words, when you get separated from the Father, all the wealth and power and resources of the Father are his. So man was separated from the Father. We were separated because of sin. But when Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago, all the wealth showed up with him. All the power showed up with him. All the healing showed up with him. All the redemption showed up with him because he's the firstborn, the elder brother. Ugh. Ain't that good? Firstborn doesn't speak of Jesus being created precious. It speaks of his rank, of his power, of his authority, of his honor. So when Jesus shows up, he shows up manifesting everything that the Father is. So, so now we are not heirs with Christ, but we are joint heirs. There's a difference between an heir and a joint heir. When you're an heir, you get a part of the estate that's available, but the other parts of the estate are restricted. But if you're a joint heir, That means you got access to the whole estate. Some of y'all are already there. Some people think they're just an heir, heir of salvation, and I am. But I'm not just an heir, I'm a joint heir. So I got access to everything that's in the pie. 
I've got access to healing. I've got access to redemption. I've got access to power. I've got access to mercy. I've got access to peace. I need somebody who understands you're more than just an heir. You're a joiner and everything that God has is available for you. Give him a praise right now. Just That means I can, ex- I, can, I can access any part of the estate any time that I need it. So that's why I say, devil, you can't have my children. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's in the will. Tell everybody, it's in the will. Oh, God, I'm on. I'm, I, so tell somebody it's in the will. How many of you understand that all the Bible is theophanies. The Bible said it's God breathed. We're going deep now. That, that's, what, that's what that word is. God breathed. It's theophanies. So what does that tell you? Every part of the Bible. Your Bible is, is the will of God. If you got a, a Bible in your hand, you always just hold it and say, this is the will. <sighs> Give it here. <laughs> okay. So, y'all, I'm so off my notes right now. How many of y'all getting fed a little bit? So, so it's theophanies. It's the will. God wrote it. Who believes that Jesus is God? Make a little noise if you believe Jesus is God. So he wrote the will. Uh-huh. He wrote his own will. He put healing in the will. He put breakthrough in the will. He put salvation in the will. He put peace in the will. He put prosperity in the will. Somebody tell everybody on your row it's in the will. Okay, but then we know that a will cannot be activated. Until what? Oh, yes, sir. Until the testator dies. See, that's why I got Pastor Josh up here because he's so smart. So the one that wrote the will has to die. So Jesus wrote the will and then he died to bring the will to pass. But how many of you understand that a will can't be enforced unless there's an executor? So what did Jesus do? He wrote the will, he died to bring it to pass, and then he rose from the dead and became the executor of his own will. And he, I need somebody right now who understands that it's in the will. Give God a praise right now. He wrote the will. He died so the will could be enforced. And he rose again to make sure that every part of the real comes to pass. I got a lot of teaching to do. Stop right there and give God praise. That blesses my soul. Remember, verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or power, 
All things were created through him and for him. And he is what? Before all things. He is what? Before all things. And in him, all things exist. This is language of power, authority, enforcement. Everything in the universe, seen or unseen, temporal or eternal. The problems that you're aware of, those that you know nothing about. They're all under the authority of Jesus. And I need you to understand something. Look at me right in the eyes, precious. Christ and his plans don't depend on anyone or anything. God is not consulting the economy about your blessing. He's not asked the doctor about your healing. He's not asked the doctor, can she be healed? No, he knows that he is a healer. We've had two people with stage four cancer. That cancer fell right out of their body and they are healed today. We've had miracle after miracle. I need somebody who believes that Jesus is the firstborn of creation and nothing can stop him giving praise right now. Now, watch this. He's the firstborn of creation and nothing can stop him. Somebody say nothing. But then Paul said, he is before all things. Pre-existing. Well, I don't believe that. The Bible says he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Who would admit that your world would have fell apart a long time ago if he wasn't existing and holding it all together? It means, Hebrews says, that he upholds the world by the word of his power. It means the whole world is held together by the power of Jesus. Are you ready for this? The whole world, the Christian's world and the sinner's world, the Satanist world and the saint's world. Come on somebody. He's holding it all together and all benefit from this power that Jesus had. And I wanna explain it like this. It's called common grace. There's a common grace that we all walk in. There's a common grace that we all experience. Common grace is extended by Jesus for all. The sun rises, the rain falls, the plant grows, the chicken fries. Come on somebody. The pizza delivers. Can I get a witness? It happens for people who totally are against him and completely reject him. I'm thankful for that kind of Jesus. I'm thankful for common grace. How many of you would say, apostle, I survived on a common grace before I ever got to Jesus? If you did, give him praise right now. My God, if he blessed you even when you were a mess, if he took care of you even when you were a sinner, if he blessed you even when you didn't believe in him, But then something happens when you understand who he is. 
you move from common grace to amazing grace. I'm thankful for common grace. Everybody got that. Come on now. I'm walking in amazing grace. What is amazing grace? Amazing grace is even different than mercy. Amazing grace is different from mercy. Mercy is not getting what I deserve. Amazing grace is getting what I don't deserve. I better say that again. I thank God for mercy that caused me not to get what I deserve, but now I've moved from common grace and I'm walking in amazing grace. And now because of amazing grace, I get what I don't even deserve. So I dare somebody right now, if you've transcended from common grace and you're even walking beyond mercy, now you've stepped into amazing grace, you ought to give the Lord a shout. (sighs) Now, if he can sustain the whole world with common grace, what in the world, what on earth can he do in your life with amazing grace? If he takes care of the whole world with common grace, but you are washed in the blood of the lamb, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, he's given his angels charge over you, That means nothing shall be impossible. I need somebody right now who's thankful for amazing grace. Just give him a praise in the room. Just say thank you for amazing grace. Thank you for the grace that blesses me beyond what I deserve. Let me move on. Number four, he is the head of the body of the church. I'm gonna tell you, I'm an under shepherd. And I might be the leader of this house, but the head of this body is Jesus Christ. I said the head is Jesus Christ. We're all under Jesus Christ. Don't, don't, you, don't get caught up in, in ministerial worship. Don't, don't get caught up in worshiping pastors and preachers. I've watched preachers live like hell and people still want to listen to them because they're in love with their gift. They don't even care that they lost the anointing. That, that's three or four right there. I want, I'm not going to stay there. I better get back on my notes. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? There's one head of the church and his name is Jesus Christ. He rules and reigns all by himself. Jim Rayleigh never saved anybody. I never healed anybody. I never redeemed anybody. But I have put myself underneath Jesus Christ and I operate with his authority. And that's why demons tremble and devils run and sicknesses get healed and lost folk get saved because Jesus is in charge. And I want you to know that Jesus is the head of the church. He's head of the American church, the African church, the Iranian church. Come on, the Chinese church. Let me mess y'all up. He's, met, he's head of the Kojic church. He's head of the Methodist church. He's head of Calvary's churches. Let me mess you up a little bit more. He's he's head of the white church. 
He's head of the black church. He's head of the Spanish church. Let me tell you, all these divisions that we have made in this body, Jesus said they do not exist. There is one body and there is one head. And let me mess you up. It's not Jesus and the Democratic Party. It's not Jesus and the Republican Party. It's not Jesus and a president. It's not Jesus and a prime minister. It is Jesus all by himself. And he reigns and he rules. Somebody that believes he's in charge of it all, give him praise right now. It's not Jesus and culture. It's not Jesus and religion. It's Jesus all by himself. But we've got churches now that are trying to be the body, but they want Jesus and culture. And they would never address what I addressed last week. Come on, somebody. But I ain't scared. Because I'm going to stand before God one day. And I'm just letting hell know you can't have my children. (laughs) No. And you know what? He can't have your children either. It's not Jesus and culture. There's one head of the church. One body, one head. Anything that has more than one head is a monster. It ain't a body, it's a monster. So Jesus is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. And I'm, I'm away, and Paul was saying here, away with these false pictures that you've got to, you've got to fulfill religious duty to, to, be, uh, to be connected to the Father. You are connected to the Father, Colossus, not because you honor a feast day, not because you do sacrifices. You're connected to the Father because of what Jesus did. So Jesus is the head of the body, but number five, Jesus is the beginning. Paul told the church in Colossae, he's the beginning. And in our minds, like I said, everything has to have a beginning and an ending. That's the way our finite minds operate. But John said this, in the beginning was the word. Not in the beginning will be the word. Or in the beginning, they'll about be the word. It was, it's past tense. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word, and the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was the beginning with God. In the beginning, Jesus was, past tense, already existing. Jesus didn't have a start. He doesn't have a stop. He's always going to be, if you believe it, give him praise right now. But look at number six. He is the firstborn among the dead. What does that mean? There's that word again, apostle, firstborn. The firstborn of the dead is powerful. It means he's the first one who resurrected from the dead. What makes him different? Well, you say, I know somebody who got CPR. They died and they resurrected. But if they ain't dead yet, if Jesus tarries, they will die. Even the two prophets that were translated in the Old Testament, they're going to die. What makes Jesus different is that when he resurrected from the dead, he never died again. And he is still alive. And the Bible said he is the firstborn eh, among the resurrection of the dead. So logically, you understand, 
If there's a first, they can't be a first if there's not going to be a second. He would be the only. But he's the first. And we understand that because he's the first, there's going to be many that come after him. The Bible said in the 20th verse, but now Christ is risen from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, and has become the first fruits of those that are fallen asleep. <laughs> Here's what you've got to understand. It may not mean anything to you unless you've got some investments over there. there, there there's, there's a grave in Bonifay, Florida that's got my sweet daddy in it. There's a grave in Mariana that's got my sister in it. My mother's there in Bonifay. My granny is there in Mariana. There's some graves there and I wanna tell y'all something. There will come a day. The Bible said for the Lord himself, 1 Corinthians 15, shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I'm telling you this corruptible must put on incorruptible. If you've got anybody that's already made it to the other side, there will come a day, baby, when that grave busts wide open and they will rise again. If you're glad of that, give God a praise right now. Watch this. The resurrection of Jesus guarantees our resurrection. Some of us get excited about the resurrection. Now, I don't know if I'm going to, I may get raptured. A hole in the ground or a hole in the air, it don't matter to me. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible. And this mortal, 1 Corinthians 15, must put on immortality. For when this corruptible is put on incorruptible and this mortal, Paul said, has put on immortality, watch, watch. Thus it shall come to pass the saying which is written, look at me now, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 58th verse, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. That means one day, if, if Jesus comes in my lifetime, which I believe he very, very likely will, I'm going to get a brand new body. You imagine? You imagine? You imagine? I mean, gravity will lose hold. What are you going to be doing when the trumpet blasts? What do you think? Dun, dun, dun. You're eating a chicken wing <laughs> for the first time. Clock, you'll let that go. Here I come. I'm going to the marriage supper of the lamb. I'm going to tell you something. I don't eat much of it, but I love fried food. When I get to heaven, I'm getting it all fried. 
And you know what else? I'm getting gravy on it. I'm like, can you, I'd like an intravenous of gravy right now, just. Some of you gonna be on your computer looking at all the bills you gotta pay. You start to try to click and move them over. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Woo. How many of you know that's one set of bills you ain't gonna never have to pay? Somebody's gonna be in the shower. Hold up, Jesus. Hold up, Lord, my rose right outside the yeah, hold up. But I wouldn't worry about it. Because somewhere between heaven and earth, he's going to get a brand new body anyway, so it won't even matter. I'm trying to tell you that he is the resurrection and the life. Oh. Jesus is the fullness of God. For in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus wasn't a hologram. He wasn't a partial representative of God. He wasn't a good man. He was so much more than that. Nor was he a piece of the pie. Now, because of Jesus, the fullness of God dwells in us. Place on. That means everything that God is is deep down inside of me. I'm purposefully bringing this down to a place because I want you to hear very clearly what I'm saying. I want every young person to listen closely to Apostle today. I want everybody who feels like you have a purpose in your life. Of all the things that Jesus is described as, to me none are more powerful than this. Jesus is the reconciler. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him were the things on earth, the things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Before sin, God was in perfect harmony with man. He was in perfect harmony with all of his creation. But sin fractured that. Sin broke it. And it was broken. And the quick fix was lambs, goats, sacrifices, and feast days. And somehow, that church in Coloss who knew of the redeeming power of Christ had lost their way. And now they're in legalism again. They're being told they have to be circumcised. You've got to honor the feast days. You're not going to be saved if you don't do all the Jewish prerequisites. But Paul said no. What reconciles you is one thing. It's not your works. 
It's not sacrificing a lamb. It's not honoring a feast day. He said, only one thing reconciles you. Only one thing, look at me, young person. Only one thing can put your world back together again. It says, having made peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, I know that it's now not popular to talk about the blood. I know there's a lot of preachers who won't preach about it, who won't declare it, who don't do communion. They tell you don't sing those blood songs. They're socially unacceptable. It's politically incorrect. Don't sing them anymore, apostle. But I say this, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Listen, I'm not reconciled because I'm good. I'm not reconciled because I have a title. I'm not reconciled because I'm successful. I'm reconciled because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Reconciled. Reconciled means to make amends to settle a dispute and to restore in this sense to divine favor I've watched people love each other be married and then the enemy gets in you know why they divorce real often? What do they say, John? Irreconcilable differences. I'm glad that even though I had differences and problems, that it never stopped me from being the bride of Christ. Colossus, what are you doing? You've been swallowed up into mysticism. You've been being swallowed up by legalism. You've been swallowed up by worldly agendas. Oh my goodness, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? You've been swallowed up now by all this when all you need is Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the one who wrote the will. He's the one who died to bring it to pass. He's the one who rose again to become the executor of his own will. He's the reconciler. Tell everybody in your neighborhood it's in the will. And here we are today, everybody standing. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what's pulled you away from him. I don't know what's broken or what's severed. But no matter what your struggle is, Jesus battled and defeated your brokenness today. Some of y'all need to be reconciled to peace.
Some of y'all need to be reconciled to purpose. Some of y'all need to be reconciled to joy. (laughs) Who wants to be reconciled in any way in your life? Just say, Lord, just reconcile me. Anything that the enemy has tried to put distance between you and I with, reconcile me. Some of y'all, I don't know why I'm saying this. It must be the Lord. Some of y'all need to reconcile with some people that you've got problems with. Some of y'all need to go. You need to find that person that you're mad at. And if they're, listen, I'm warning you. Don't say I didn't tell you. Because if you don't like them, they make it to heaven. Jesus might just move them in right next door to you. You just, you never know. I'm not going to be at odds with nobody. I just can't. I forgive you. I just, I'm going to forgive you. Why? Because I've been forgiven of so much. So in this room today, maybe you're struggling. In this room today, you feel like there's a distance between you and the Lord. In this room today, there are people that maybe you're not where you need to be. And everything that I described in teaching Jesus today is exactly what you need. So with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, people on live stream right now, God is dealing with you. If you're here today and you'd say, Apostle, there's some things in my life that have cut me away from God. There's some things in my life that have alienated me and separated me from Him. I'm going to ask for not one person to walk out. I'm going to ask for not one person to leave in this moment. But if you're here and you'd say, Apostle, there's things that alienate me and separate me from the Lord. And when you pray, Apostle, pray for me. Because there's things in my life that ought not be there. and I want to be reconciled. I want my world put back right. Apostle, there's sin in my life. There's compromise in my life. And I need this Jesus that you've been talking to us about. I'm not trying to embarrass you. But if you're in this room today or you're online, you'd say, Apostle, there's some things in my life that ought not be there. So when you pray, pray for me. When I count to three, raise your hand. Remember me, Apostle, one. Apostle, if you're going to pray, pray for me, two. Apostle, if you're going to pray, don't forget me, three. Slip your hand up right now. Pray for me, Apostle. I got some things you all to get under the blood today. Hands in every section. It's really not hard for the Lord to do. It's not hard for the Lord to set your life back just right where it needs to be. Hands in every section. If you held your hand up, hold it up and leave it up. Oh, there's a glory in the room right now. God's about to reconcile a bunch of people. I'm going to give you five more seconds. And if you know who you are and you need to raise your hand, I want you to raise it right now. Pray for me, Apostle. Five. I'm not where I need to be. Four. Apostle, I want to get it under the blood. I want that sin out of my life. Three, I want anything that's kept me from him to go and be gone for good. I want to be reconciled. Two, one, zero. Now, if you held your hand up, keep it up. If you held it up, keep it up. If somebody next to you has their hand up, I want you to move back and make room for them to come forward because I want to pray with every single person. If you raise your hand and you're ready to be reconciled, move right now. If you really meant business, move right now. 
If somebody next to you raised their hand and they're apprehensive about coming, why don't you get them by the hand and, and you bring them? Oh, I wish that you would rejoice. John, will you sing? I bet while you sing, dozens of people are gonna come. Sing, son. Nobody leave, nobody leave, nobody leave. We're gonna pray together and then I'll dismiss you. Somebody slip up your hands and worship while people come to be reconciled. Come on, bring them right on down. Christian, help them get in here, son. Help them get in. Bring them right on in. Spread them across the front. Thanks. Helping me. Help me. Y'all, this is called an altar call. This is what we're. This is why we have church right here. Bring them right down, Christian. Come on. Hallelujah. If you believe he is more than able, come on, son. Bring those guys right there. Somebody raise your hands and say, "Y'all, God is putting people's worlds back together right here, right now. You are more." today's message. You can continue to be part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060, or you can visit calvaryfl.com give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. You can also stay connected by following us on social media at Calvary FL and by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, thank you for joining us.